Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast. Today's topic, sexual harassment, part two of two. Welcome back, everyone. Today, Mark and I finish up our conversation on sexual harassment. Last week, we covered some introductory guidelines, the legal basics, uh, an admonition to find out about your firm's policies and procedures, recommending that you don't spend a lot of time on law and legalities. We're not lawyers. And the belief that briefing your team annually is a good thing. And uh, we provided an agenda to help you do that. This week, we'll cover the nine steps you should take when you're made aware of a situation that may be harassment. So, before we go on, though, a couple of notes. First, a special thank you from Mark and I for nominating Manager Tools for the Podcast Awards. Not only were we nominated for the People's Choice and Best in Business Awards, we were in the top two sites generating traffic to the Podcast Awards site. That alone gets us more visibility and more members and the ability to influence more managers out there. And for that, we thank you. Now that nominations are over, the actual voting starts on July 28th, so stay tuned. And a second point. If you've been to the website, you already know that after talking about it for eh, a year, we're finally getting ready to launch premium content on August 1st. So as you might imagine, life is hectic around here now that we're trying to finish things up, but we'll be there by the 1st. If you want more details on the premium content offering, we'll be revealing all over the next couple of days on the website, www.manager-tools.com. So we hope you'll check it out. All right, that's it. Now on to the good stuff. Well, I think that's it for the introductory guidelines. So the next thing we want to cover is in the case where there is a situation that occurred that may be interpreted as sexual harassment, right. we, have a, we have a number of steps that we think people ought to go through. So right. uh, step one of nine is to ask the employee. Right. Um, if someone comes to you and shares something that appears to be related somehow to sexual harassment... You need to find out if that nuclear briefcase you're carrying around is about to go off. What you're trying to avoid here is the accuser telling you about the situation, um, but not saying they've ta- already talked to somebody outside the company or to HR. In other words, they bring up the situation, but they don't mention sexual harassment. They don't mention legal issue. They don't mention other forms of recourse. And you just think you're having a normal conversation that happens to be about somebody's boorish behavior or stupid behavior um, only to find out later, oops. Yeah. But I'm guessing many folks would tell us not to bring it up and just hope it goes away. Oh, sure. They're just afraid of it. It's so, well, you know, I, I know it's ticking, but maybe it's just broken and it'll, it'll stop ticking here in just a second, but there won't be a big loud noise at the end of the <laughs> yeah. stopping of the ticking. Um, they're afraid, I think it's basically they're going to afraid they're 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 afraid they're going to create something out of nothing or maybe this employee isn't all that smart and and so you mention sex harassment and this employee goes oh really do you think that's what this is maybe I can make some money in a lawsuit or something yeah, that's isn't, just isn't crazy. there a book titled like hope is not a method or something like that yes that that is hope is not a method you're absolutely right it's definitely not a managerial behavior we're real extra- excited about um, but look if they've already talked to somebody. And you're approached, there's some real danger that you knew something and that you didn't tell the company. 
Um, if they do say yes, um, that's fine. That you know, if if they believe that there that it actually is an actionable situation or that they need to pursue things further, you're going to take them through the next few steps anyway to help them understand for their sake, for your sake, and for the accused's sake who's on your team what they're essentially getting themselves into. That way, it, you can you may very well be able to preempt something. It, that that should not be your intent, but that may be the outcome um, by educating them on the situation. Now, if they talk to somebody outside, they've probably been educated on it. Um, uh, but nonetheless, you definitely have to ask. If someone brings up something that you think is uh, talks about vulgar or boorish or salacious behavior, you can say, do you think this is a sexual harassment issue? Do you think this is a legal issue? And if they say, oh, no, it's not, then you definitely want to make a note of the details of that. That doesn't mean they can't still go talk to a lawyer. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you can't allude to some of the things that you would normally do. Um, but but if they do say yes, you definitely want to know about it as soon as you possibly can. Yeah. Okay. Th- then the next step is what to do if they don't feel there's an actionable behavior. Right. Look, if you've asked them and they say no, great. Right? Then who? Oh, it's not ticking anymore. That's good. Okay. Um, it, so, but the problem is most managers go, Phew, and that's it. But we're forgetting something. All you're doing is saying, okay, the law is not going to be involved. HR, ER, legal is not going to be involved. Yeah, it's not still behavior be a, here, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not a sexual harassment issue because sexual harassment is a legal term. Um, then you need to think about, but it's still a, a behavior issue, as you said. You need to think about how you would normally deal with behavior that affects your team and therefore performance. Again, folks, it's not about the legalities. It's about behavior. Okay. Basically, you either need to choose to do nothing, which in many cases, many managers do in many situations where an employee brings up something and Bobby stole my pencil, right? Isn't that the, you know, he, he, he stole my swing line stapler, right? Office space. Um, either you need to choose to do nothing, which is reasonable, or you need to give the accused. And, and by the way, for purposes of this discussion for today, for the, this cast, we're going to use the word accused and accuser. I don't like it, I, and I wish I had a better, um, a, a better way to deline- delineate the two direct reports that we're talking about here. Or it could be even a skip in a direct report. If you're a director, it could be a skip of yours coming to you to talk about a, a direct of yours. In other words, talking about their manager to you um, because you're their boss's boss. Um, but I am. We, we are using accuser and accused just to make it easy. I know that's a legal term. I don't really care for it. I, I definitely don't like the sensitivity associated with the word accused, um, because there are too many people who believe, you know, the accused by definition is guilty, if not of a legal issue, then of stupidity or or something along those lines. And it may in fact not be that. It may be that the accuser has a problem. But but we're going to use those phrases to make it easy to keep things separate rather than just saying the direct report who's made the accusation or the direct whose behavior was off- offensive or whatever. That just gets too uh, unwieldy when it comes to vocabulary, and I trip over my words enough. I don't need any more trouble. Um, okay, so you, you, you may need to choose to do nothing. That's an absolutely reasonable thing to do based on the who the accuser is and who the accused is and what the what appears to have happened and so on. Or... You may need to give the accused some feedback about their behavior. It could which, happen. Which is, suggest the accuser talk to the accused, which will get some, some people's uh, ears will perk up on that one. Yeah. 
Um, I, I, there are people who will say, gosh, no, you absolutely cannot do that. And we, quite frankly, disagree. Um, uh, this comes from our fundamental belief that for the manager, again, this is a behavior issue and not a legal issue. This is what you would do if one of your team came to you with any other type of issue. You'd ask them to use the peer feedback model and let you know when it's done. That we, We've had a cast on this, I'm sure, about, about um, you know adjudicating. You don't bring both people in and confront them together. You ask them to work out their problems. We're talking about adults here. Yeah, um, and, and we won't go with the, the peer feedback model in detail here, I don't think. But just other than to say that it's step two and three of the normal feedback model. And yeah, and we did do one back in October of 2006, I believe. So um, if you haven't heard that, we'd encourage you to go back and listen to that cast. Right. That's the feedback. That's the model that we're suggesting that your your direct would use in talking to their other direct per the the sexual harassment legal guidelines, at least in the United States, which says it's better for the accused for the accuser to confront the person who has engaged in the poor performance and tell them it's wrong and it's got to stop. Um, okay. Let's also say that even if they're not going to pursue a formal complaint, some accusers are uncomfortable about what legal folks call confronting the accused. And this is where when we say, well, we recommend that the accuser talk to the, the accused and HR and legal and ER and EOC says, no, 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 we've got to do that. Well, um, I understand that. I understand why, why they're doing that. But remember, their motivations, their um, uh, goals are different than you, Mr. or Ms. Manager. And it is absolutely reasonable for expect two people to talk to one another. Um, look, at the same time, we don't recommend pushing anyone to do something so uncomfortable um, that they're not going to be capable of doing it. If that happens, if you've got somebody who says, no, I don't believe I can talk to them at all, you've also got to assess and consider addressing with the accuser the need for everyone on the team to continue to work together, and that means full and unfettered communications. Um, The accused cannot use this as an excuse to not work well as part of a team. Now, even that line will cause some legal people to go, no, 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 you have to wall them off. You have to keep them separate. We don't want them to be around that person. It's too hard for them emotionally and so on. Well, I've actually seen it happen where not only have managers uh, gotten in trouble with with, uh, letting team performance slide um, and and other senior people in the organization were not aware that there was a EEOC, that there was a, a legal complaint about sexual harassment. I've also seen employees that make an accusation and then um, whose performance slides, and they're shocked to hear about it on their annual review at the end of the year. And, and, and you don't just put on the annual review, had a difficult year because of a sexual harassment complaint. Because while we certainly respect the fact that these things have to be surfaced and the organization has to protect, has an obligation, a duty to protect employees, it doesn't mean that the duty includes allowing the, the employee's performance to be so poor that the company suffers. Yeah. Okay. Step four is to tell the accuser to call HR or the government agency here in the U.S., it's EEOC, if mm-hmm. they choose to make a formal charge. Yeah. Um, pretty simple step. You absolutely have a responsibility to the accused to make them aware of how to pursue a charge because you are their manager, too. If you have HR or ER, tell them to go there and talk to a representative. 
one of the plus sides of being in a big firm. Okay, um, we can safely assume that HR or ER know what to do. If you don't have HR, that's fine. The accuser probably is supposed to contact the government agency directly in most countries. Um, and look, if you need to find out how to get to the EEOC in the United States, just Google EEOC, and they'll get you'll you'll, get, you'll be taken to a place where you can get a local phone number and call and find out the office, and they have an email address and so on. Yeah, it's pretty pretty straightforward. Step five is explain the deadly seriousness of the issue. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of managers miss the deadly seriousness uh, point we're making. You have an obligation to everybody here. You have an obligation to the accuser, to the accused, to the organization, and to yourself. Uh, look, if there's a perception that there's a hostile workplace, um, the fact that the, believe it or not, the fact that the manager doesn't know does not in, uh, uh, insulate the company from potential action against them if, in fact, a hostile workplace occurred. If you have two directs that one accuses the other of sexual harassment and it was totally unknown to you, uh, and the courts discover, in the United States anyway, that it was a hostile workplace, your lack of knowledge does not insulate the company in any way, and the company can be liable and damages can be huge. Um, so you have multiple obligations. If someone is going to start this process, rest assured that once it starts, you will completely lose control of the entire sexual harassment slash legal process, and there will be unintended consequences. Even when there is a real need to have someone stop behaving inappropriately. Let's say that they were, this person actually was sexually harassed according to the law. Um, and, and someone needs to, you know, clearly action needs to be taken. Um, uh, I have seen employees and teams decimated by what happens in these situations, how lines are drawn, uh, how sides are taken. It's terrible. Look, you can't stop somebody from availing themselves of the legal action that, that your particular country's laws allow them to take care of. That's fine. You shouldn't try that. But on the other hand, you can help them understand what they're starting, what you're going to do, what you'll expect of them, what could happen to the other person, and so on. And I've seen it happen before where managers say, look, I want you to understand something. You're going to go through this. I'll be happy to support you in that in terms of, of course, I don't know what happened. This is the first time I've heard about it. But you should know something. It's entirely possible that this person you're accusing will be fired, will be fined, uh, and if it's serious enough, could go to jail. Um, and I've seen people before go, oh, my gosh, I don't want, don't want that to happen. And now, and, and, and at that moment, th there are people who would say, well, uh, I think the manager just intimidated. No, I don't think the manager intimidated. I think the manager has so many conflicting responsibilities. He or she has got to lay out what's going to happen. And if, in fact, the person says, well, gee, I don't, I, th that's not what I want, then say, okay, well, that's fine. The other way we can do this is this is a behavioral issue. And if a person is sitting in front of you and you truly believe that what they're telling you is true, that even though they don't want to pursue a legal sexual harassment issue, but you have somebody on your team sexually harassing someone else, this is a great opportunity to use the feedback model. Um, you might even um, do it in a way that's not warm and fuzzy when you deliver it. Um, in fact, it might sound like, hey, can I give you some feedback? When you say X to Bob, here's what happens. I think about firing you immediately 
for conduct unbecoming of an employee of this company because we have values like trust and respect and dignity and you just violated all of them in one five second bit. And I'm not going to ask you what you can do differently because I'm going to tell you if you don't do it differently starting now, I will walk up to your desk and help you clean it out. I will fire you so fast it makes your head spin. Are we clear? Good day. Yeah. Well, this just goes to the point that if I I think a lot of folks who end up filing with the EOC or whatever government that agency that is in whatever country, they do so not out of um, out of spite or revenge. They, They do so because they don't believe there's a managerial environment that enforces policies. And, and so to the extent that you have a direct or, or you have a subordinate who does actually go file, um, that's somewhat of a reflection of the managerial environment that you've created and that people don't yes. feel there's feedback. So if there's one-on-ones and feedback and coaching going on in your organization, there is um, somewhat of an immunization to these kind of yes. things. Exactly. That's right. It's a behavioral immunization over time. And I think, uh, you know, I also think step five, explaining the deadly seriousness includes, let's also be clear, as as we've said several times here, you have a responsibility and obligation to the accused. Anyone who brings to their manager a potential for sexual harassment is torn about it or is in misery about it or has been treated incredibly poorly. Uh, And you have an obligation to be sensitive and to be understanding about them. And this is definitely a case where you have conflicting uh, responsibilities, conflicting duties, and you've got to try to balance all of them. And it is not easy to do well. You can't do those responsibilities better by spending more time on the law. That's one of our earlier points. You can only do it better, do it well, by knowing your people and by being a smart manager who understands behavior, understands consequences, has good relationships, communicates openly, and is preventative in nature when it comes to something like this. That's why this cast exists. Yep. Okay. Step six, call human resources yourself if your firm has it. Ask for a brief on the process, status, and impact. Yeah, this is another step that I think managers miss. Um, I remember this was, oh, several, it was at least 10 years ago, and a manager said, what do I do? I said, have you called HR? Oh, no, 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 the accused called HR. I'm not supposed to talk to HR. Well, who told Uh, you you're not supposed to talk to HR? Uh, I don't know. I just kind of thought that, well, now she was talking to him, so I wasn't supposed to. And uh, like, no, pick up the phone, call HR. They work for you. In fact, at this company, each manager had an HR point of contact. HR, the HR POCs had multiple people to talk to, multiple managers to support. But, but their, one of their job descriptions was, if, if one of my managers picks up the phone and calls you, you better respond. Um, and, and when we called this person, so yeah, let me explain to you what happened and so on and so forth. Um, now, to be fair, there, there is a rightness in the assumption that once legal and HR folks get involved, they do lose control or influence over a lot of the situation. Uh, and to, uh, sadly, I have to report that HR often reinforces that by telling managers, okay, we've got it from here. There are, confidenti- there are confidentiality issues. Uh, we have to protect the accused and the company. D- does that sound familiar? Okay. Uh, and you know who is protecting the manager, folks? You are. The fact is, HR has a responsibility to protect you, too. Unfortunately, in many cases, HR does not think about that very much. And, and I can understand why. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't matter whether we understand it or not. It doesn't matter that they have an obligation to you as well. And in many cases, HR doesn't meet it. So, look, don't help yourself lose control. 
Don't help yourself lose influence on this situation. Step up and speak for your team, not for you. Don't be trying to cover your butt, okay? Uh, ask, uh, or I'm sorry, step up, speak for your team and for yourself and the accuser and the accused, all of whom have to do work as the machinery of this particular situation, this particular process starts clanking forward. Call HR, ask for a step-by-step walkthrough delivered at your desk about what your direct is going to go through. What's the process? What will they be asking for? Who will be involved? How will you be given notice of activity so that you can plan your team's work? HR, in most cases, is not predisposed to do this, and they will not unless you ask for it. And you think they'll just uh, HR will just roll over here? Um, well, two, two thoughts on that. Um, no, they won't just roll over because their interests are different than yours. There's that point again. Okay? Managers aren't supposed to be aligned against HR. But this, look, look, the fact that they have different interests, that's the core of all politics in all organizations. Organizations exist to, to allow the benefits that come from specialization of labor to, to bear fruit. Okay? Specialization of labor means competing interests. Engineers think differently than HR, different than sales, different than operations, and so on. Look, we, we already know the definition of conflict is two human beings in the same county. So HR may push back. It's okay for you to insist. You'll get further, though, in terms of getting a briefing and understanding what's going to happen if you tell them why, to help you adjust workloads, to be sensitive to what's happening to the accuser and the accused, to be able to respond to folks you don't know, uh, who may call you and ask for your time or somebody on your team's time, uh, to support those that aren't involved, to keep work at effective levels. And what's your second thought? Part of why HR seems insistent is that so few managers ask for this, so they think they can get away with it. Um, A good HR manager knows that the process is not secret. The process is not secret. Heck, they have it written down. Okay? Interviews are, the contents of those interviews are confidential, but not who is doing what, not how long it will take, not what step is next, not when the most impacts will hit your team. Yeah. So ask folks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And that brings us to step seven. Notify the accused, give them feedback, and ask them to apologize. If there is a step that's going to surprise some people, as if we already haven't had steps that are going to surprise some people. <laughs> if there's one, um, this would be it. <laughs> yeah. even It might even irritate some people. Remember, your obligation is to the organization first, and that obligation primarily takes the form of work output, okay? While some firms have explicit policies preventing you from telling the the accused, okay, do not assume that yours does. Also, do not take HR's word for it. Now, look, part of why HR says, no, 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 don't talk to them, is because there are managers in the world, no surprise here, they're not manager tools managers, who think the way to make this problem go away is to go talk to the accused, scream at the accused, scream at the accuser, and say, how dare you, you know, you're messing with me, don't mess with me, I can make your life miserable, and make make veiled threats, or thinly veiled threats, or not veiled threats at all. 
Um, and so they're trying to protect that. We're not suggesting that, obviously. This is manager tools. We believe in an ethical, professional workplace where managers do good work and significantly improve the performance of a team, which justifies their salary and greater profitability for the organization. Okay? Just because, you know, if HR says, no, you can't do that, ask them to show you. <laughs> Make them show you in writing that you are explicitly forbidden from doing so. Okay? I have reviewed many firms' policies in this. And they do not. I never saw one that specifically said a manager could not tell the accused that they had actually been or were going to be accused. And there's another reason, of course. The manager tells the accused in the nicest, most professional way possible. And the accused goes nuts and then starts harassing uh, physically, not maybe not sexually, but physically harassing the accuser. And I have to tell you, if that happened, I'd probably fire them. Um, because because we're responsible for protecting people in the workplace, um, I don't care what the, what the what the cause of it is, what the uh, antecedent is. I'm just going to say that's uh, <laughs> uh, we we don't do that. Period. I don't care what the what the, what your concern is. Uh, you're fired. Um, to know that this is going on, that there is no rule against telling them. Remember, if HR says you shouldn't, examine what HR's responsibilities are, okay? If there's not a rule against it and you know what's going on, and then to not say anything to the accused is, in my opinion, our opinion, not keeping your obligation to your team or to the organization. And to be clear, privacy does not apply here. Right. If an accusation is being made about someone's behavior, the only concept that is served by keeping the accused in the dark is surprise. Yeah, and that really, I tell you, that's um, that concerns me. But anyway, what some are going to say is that they want to guard against someone going to HR or a government agency and being told, no, this isn't something that we're going to have to deal with or that's really not sexual harassment. Um, and then because you, at the time that they go to do that, you've already told the accused, the cat's out of the bag when it normally wouldn't have been. But remember, they're basing that on whether or not the special uh, sexual harassment process should be followed. You're worried about behavior. Okay? You will have already known what happened. You're not just concerned with the incident. You're concerned about the team and work. And even if it is not a sexual harassment issue, it still is an issue for your team, and it's going to affect performance on your team. When we say feedback, we go back to the basic thought that this is, again, about behavior. And we need to address that if we believe the accuser. Further, we suggest you have the employee listen to the apology cast and go apologize for whatever they did. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, in fact, here's how it sounds. Hey, Mike, can I give you some feedback? Sure. When, um, when, when you actually tell a joke the way you did, and I know it's a joke you told me, and I didn't feel bad about it, but when you tell that joke in front of other people... Um, at least one of them comes to me and says that they feel they were sexually harassed. Um, so, what can you do differently next time? Well, I, I guess um, I guess I, I guess I won't tell jokes like that at work. I mean, that's probably yeah, yeah. That, Mike, look, that's dumb. Okay, uh, you got to consider your audience, uh, and, and and that's a lesson for me. That w if I respond positively to something like that, I'm sending you a message that's probably okay at work, and I forget that my role as a manager sometimes uh, obligates me to have a different take on jokes that exist. And can I suggest something else though, as well, which is I think you need to apologize, and oh. I encourage you to go listen to Manager Tools Cast on apologizing. Uh, don't say I apologize if I hurt your feelings because that's not an apology. The word if and the word you. Um, 
uh, should not be involved in an apology. So I encourage you to apologize. Will you do that for me? Um, yeah, it's going to be hard. I, yeah, I'll do it, though. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. If you feel like it's going to be hard, I'll tell you what. you got two days to apologize. Um, you got until close of business tomorrow. And before you do it, I'd like you to come in here and practice with me. Okay. Yeah. And if it's, it's off a little bit or something, I'll be happy to coach you a little bit. I'll make sure it's done right because I'm the king of apologies, as you well know. Good. Well, I think that practice is going to help. Thanks. Yeah, sure. No problem. Okay. Now, that's a little mini feedback uh, yeah. tutorial. And, and, and now, now here's sexual harassment. Here it takes, you know, it's a pretty big issue. This person's probably pretty embarrassed. And that entire discussion, I think, took one minute. And, the, and yet managers still tell me, I don't have time to manage. I've got work to do. I'm sorry. What we just did was management. It was pure and simple management. It was about behavior. It was about improving performance. It was about communication. It was about uh, interpersonal relationships on the team, all of which go to team performance and uh, corporate profitability and so on. Yeah. Yeah, we hear that excuse way too much. Yes, we do. Yes, uh, we do. <laughs> okay. We'll, 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 I'll move quickly on before, uh, before I have to put away the soapbox. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yes, good. <laughs> okay, step eight. Ask the accuser to update you on the steps. Yeah, and this is, again, another probably a little bit of surprise to people, but it's not related to, it's not related to asking HR. Forget that this is about an HR issue or a touchy subject. The process will have an impact on your direct on the accused, or on the accuser, I'm sorry, and you have a reasonable expectation to know what time and effort they will be taking away from work to take care of this. If you can't change it, that's fine. We respect that. The process needs to happen externally to the organization, okay? But you can know and expect to know what the impact will be on them. And if they're part of a team, what affects one has effects on others, Okay, it's your job to know that. Just ask each week in their one-on-one. Please update me on the sexual harassment situation. Okay, if they balk, if they if they hesitate, ask politely. I'm not suggesting you reveal anything other than time you're going to spend on this issue, what you've been told regarding timing and steps ahead, and any time spent in meetings and so on relating to it. Uh, they obviously won't be doing uh, stuff related to this at the cu- at their cube or in their office, so you're going to have to know when they're going to be out. If you walk over to their desk four or five times a week when normally they would be there and they're not there, um, that's an issue. Now, look, if you know that they're in meetings around this or being interviewed or so on, that's fine. But if they're not there but you don't know where they are and you discover later that HR tells you, well, actually, no, we didn't do anything last week, now you've got a different problem. Now you have a problem about this person behaving inefficiently and ineffectively at work. We may, in fact, feel emotionally uh, sensitized enough to go, well, we respect that this person's upset or uh, um, conflicted about what's going on. We respect that. But you have an obligation. You have a responsibility. It's reasonable for you to want to know where they are and what they're doing. Not to punish them, not not to say you have to get back to your desk, but to understand what's happening. In fact, the sexual harassment thing may go away, and this person still may be affected in terms of work output. And you need to know that if you're the boss and you're responsible for work output. And it's also possible, though, when you ask them that they won't agree to say anything. Yeah, sure. Look, and, and I think a lot of times when we say you should ask, people think that that means, well, you, you're going to get to know. No. 
you, you don't you don't have the power to compel them to tell you, but you can ask. I don't know whether it's thirty percent or fifty percent or eighty percent of people will answer. But it but if you've established a good relationship, um, if you've built your relationship well enough, they will tell you what will help you in order to help you manage your team. And you know, it just makes you think again. Oh, the power of one on ones over time, week oh, after yeah. week after week after week. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Almost makes you think. I won't, I won't complete yeah, that sentence. Everybody will know it. what I was getting ready to say. <laughs> I love it when you and I are thinking the same thing at the same time. Yes, exactly. Our, our last step is to limit communications to those involved in HR. Yeah, pre- pretty, pretty simple here. Uh, keep your mouth shut about what's going on. Uh, a lot of times things happen that uh, on a team that aren't related to legal issues or aren't as sensitive or as delicate as this. Um, and and uh, we can talk about it. We can keep people updated on what's going on. I, I told a manager told me once, oh, listen, uh, the reason I'm briefing everybody on the sexual harassment situation is that we had a similar delicate situation about a year ago where somebody's family member died. And so we kept everybody posted. Folks, sexual harassment in the workplace is not about a team member's family member, is not the equivalent of a team member's family member dying. Okay, uh, this is a legal issue. There are touchy issues related to it. You could, in fact, be uh, be doing something that's not effective for the overall process. If you're asked by your peers or by your team, respond with, I can't comment on it or even whether there is an issue. I can't even my, my comment does not even mean that there actually is something going on. That applies to meetings as well as to one-on-ones. A lot of times managers say, oh, yeah, I can't say anything publicly, but I can tell my top people in my one-on-ones. If you tell one person, everybody is going to know. If your boss asks, depending upon your relationship with the boss and so on, I'd only give them the basics, and then I'd ask HR what you can and can't tell them. HR will probably want to brief them. They like to control information in a lot of cases. Um, but I'd ask HR to give you the okay to do so. And I uh, because HR further. will uh, – I'm sorry, go ahead. I, and I go one step further, which is I, if HR is going to brief your boss, then I would oh. rec- ask that you be included in that briefing. Exactly, yeah. And, and if HR doesn't tell you when, then you should be calling your boss and your boss's assistant immediately and saying, if that meeting happens, I will stop whatever I'm doing and be there because I'm going I'm to brief him or her as well. Yes. Yep. Good. Okay, well – that's that's it. That's it. Yeah. Not. Okay. So so the the overview one more time. Okay. So we know the legal basics. We encourage you to know that for the country that you're a manager in, you need to find out about your firm's policies and procedures. Okay. If you if you haven't yet, go find out now. Um, don't and yet at the same time, don't spend a lot of time on the law and legalities. You're not a lawyer. You're a manager. Your purview is behavior, not the law. And then brief your team annually, and we shared with you the agenda. Okay. And then uh, the steps to follow when you're made aware of a situation that may be harassment. Um, surprise here for many in terms of not we're not going to avoid the situation. We go ahead and ask the employee if they think there is, in fact, a sexual harassment um, case here and whether or not they're going to pursue it. Uh, if they don't, if they say no, then you need to decide what to do. Because, again, going back to one of our fundamental principles, this is about behavior. It's not about the law. Uh, step three is suggest the accuser talk to the accused, even though legal people will tell you, oh, you can't have them confront them. In fact, the legal guidelines, at least in the U.S., and I'm sure other places say, yes, in fact, let's, we don't need to make a legal case out of this. Let's have the accuser talk to the accused and give them the peer feedback model. Step four, 
tell the accuser to call HR or the government agency if they do choose to make a formal charge. Step five, a lot of managers miss this, explain the deadly seriousness of this issue. Step six, call HR or whomever passes for HR in your organization yourself for a brief on the process, on regular status. And I don't think we made that very clear during the cast, regular status in terms of weekly updates or biweekly updates and the impact on your team at various times. Um, Number seven, notify the accused often disagreed with by people in other parts of the organization, give them feedback about what happened and ask them to apologize, which in many cases causes the problem to go away or people realize that it was inadvertent. Okay. Number eight, ask the accuser to update you on steps that are involving them. That's about work and about taking care of them. It's not about trying to get a back brief on what's actually happening, although that does happen. And then step nine, limit communications to those involved and to HR. That's it. Good. Yeah, this is a, it's an uncomfortable topic and not one that we can introduce a whole lot of levity. This is a serious issue. But yes. hopefully, you know, if you're following the other tenets of manager tools, you'll, you're less likely to end up in this kind of situation. But if you do, at least here are some, some steps you can, and guidelines you can follow to make it as um, painless as possible. Uh, painless is probably a, a poor choice of words there. Yes, I agree. Well done. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, sir. So long. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you all again next week. And by then, if you haven't already seen it on the website, we'll have more to share about premium content. So until then, so long.